Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Peacock, and guess what? It's draft day. Finally here. All of the rumors, all of the smoke screens, all of the mock drafts. God, so many mock drafts. It's all over now. I'm so pumped for this show today. I've got Mr. Matt Barrows and Mr. Chris Biederman from the Sacramento Bee and Niners Wire on the USA Today Network, respectively. We're going to have a little roundtable. We're going to get into this draft and see if we can figure out uh, what's going on with the 49ers. And they were actually on the field on Wednesday, and both of those guys were there. So we'll see if we can uh, get any information from practices and, and see where players are lined up and see if uh, we have any clues there to where the 49ers might be going on draft day, whether it's in round one or, or throughout the weekend. As always, you can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. If you want to email the show, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. If you would like to be a sponsor to the show, again, Hit me up via email, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review the show. You can find us streaming in all kinds of other places, including LockedOn49ers.com. You can find the stream there. You can find my Twitter feed there. You can also find links to my email and how to subscribe. And really, that's your one-stop shop for everything LockedOn49ers. So real quick, before I bring the guys on, I want to talk about one thing that, that came out today, and it was a quote from 49ers CEO Jed York, who we haven't heard much from since the hiring of of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, uh, but he talked about the importance of finding a star quarterback. And it's important that he said star quarterback. He's not talking about, you know, a mid-round guy here. A star quarterback. He said you need to get the best players. Wherever they are, whatever you need to do, you need to find the best players. It's proven that if you don't have a superstar quarterback, you're probably not going to the Super Bowl, and you're probably not winning a Super Bowl. And it's, it's funny that now we hear from, you know, the 49ers ownership, basically, and all this stuff about the Cleveland Browns and pick one, and is it Garrett or is it actually Trubisky and its ownership there pushing for a quarterback? So I wonder how uh, how much that might be a factor for either one of these teams at the top of the draft. And it would seem that Mitch Trubisky is that quarterback that has risen to the top in 2017. So just an interesting little nugget there on the eve of the draft as we head into draft day now and uh, Jed York chiming in. He quarterback. I mean, every team, it seems like at the top of this draft, the closer we get, every team Every rumor is quarterback, 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 whether it's the 49ers or the Browns, the Bears, the Jets, the Bills. So uh, it's going to be interesting, even the Cardinals. So I don't know what to expect. This this could get crazy. Everyone thought they had the first pick locked down and the draft really started to pick two. And now that might not even be the case. So let's see if we can figure some of this out. And let's bring on Matt Barrows and Chris Biederman. All right, well, let's start with practice there. You guys were uh, hanging out there watching the team practice and... Um, it's some interesting things. Matt, you wrote the article about the Leo position. And, you know, let's start with that very large man who has been a large question mark 
uh, about where he should play in Robert Sala's scheme. And apparently, you know, that is Leo, at least in walkthroughs and in practices for Eric Armstead. And is that just an experiment or is, is, do, you, do you see that as something where he's sticking, like they put him there at the front of the line? Yeah, I mean, I think they're experimenting with with a lot of different guys. Um, you know, the, the, these coaches are getting their hands on these prospects uh, uh, for the first time, so they're they're trying to figure out who works best where. But uh, it, it is interesting because no one would have thought that a six foot seven, two hundred ninety five pound guy would be a good fit at uh, at the Leo spot uh, in Seattle. At least that's been you know, uh, a position manned by, you know, a 250, 255-pound guy, very athletic. Um, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, you, you can make the argument that Eric Armstead would be, you know, at his size and with his movement skills, a, a real handful for a lot of left tackles in this league. Uh, and so if, if they leave him there, it also, you know, raises a uh, a possibility that, uh, that you know that other defensive end spot, what, what they call the five technique spot, on the strong side of the uh, formation is open. Um, Tank Carradine was there today, but uh, you know if they drafted Solomon Thomas, which a lot of people, including me, think uh, they might do, uh, that would uh, ostensibly be the spot where he uh, slips in, uh, at least in the base defense. So uh, I don't know whether that's, uh, you know, part of their thinking, um, trying to figure out how to utilize uh, Thomas, Eric Armstead, and DeForest Buckner all at the same time in a base defense. But if it does uh, turn out that way, uh, that would be uh, a good way of getting all three guys on the field at the same time. So, Chris, I'll put this to you then. If you're putting... DeForest Buckner at the three tech and you have Armstead at, at Leo uh, coming into this whole thing, you would have thought, Oh, well, both guys are so perfect for that strong side spot. Now, neither one of them is there. And I don't know what the hell to think. And, and like you said, maybe Solomon Thomas, there's a wide open spot for him there. You see Tank Carradine lining up getting first team reps at left defensive end. And my mind's kind of blown there. Yeah, I would agree with, with, with that. I, I think if Armstead is not going to be in that spot, I think that makes taking, Solomon Thomas a lot more justifiable. I will say uh, what they did today, and, and I don't know how much to really read into what we saw today at practice, just because, like Matt said, they are going to be tinkering a lot. But uh, it, it could be a situational thing. It could be something where, you know, if, they, if they're early in base downs and, and they're expecting the run, maybe Armstead is better uh, setting the edge as a, as a Leo in that scenario. And if they go to, you know, sub packages, maybe they bring someone off the bench. Maybe they move Carradine to Leo. Um, he's a more probably a more natural pass rusher coming off the edge. Maybe Ahmad Brooks could do that. Um, Aaron Lynch is a possibility too. And today, he Aaron Lynch works almost exclusively out of uh, out of sub packages on the strong side. Um, and he was a guy who we all thought, or at least I thought, was, was a favorite to be uh, the Leos um, going, coming into this. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I think. Um, you know, they're still experimenting. I think they're still open to everything. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the 49ers used early round picks on, on one or all three of those, you know, Leo, Sam, and, and that strong side defensive end spot. And I do think Solomon Thomas would fit that role. But again, if you invest a, a set, the second overall pick in a guy like that, um, is he going to be a three down player? And maybe he would be in, in base situations if he's over on that side with, with the linebacker next to him. 
Um, but I don't know that he's a, he's an edge rusher, but it'll be interesting to see. And, and I mean, the, the interesting thing to me about this draft is the fact that the 49ers have needs pretty much everywhere defensively. Um, and you look at some of the top prospects at basically every position and, and you can, you can make a case for just about everybody. So, uh, so we'll be, we'll be keeping an eye on to see if they can trade back and, and, you know, see if that, if, if that's ultimately the route they take or if they pick it too. And we should, we should point out that Eric Armstead didn't play the Leo today in the practice that we saw. Eric Armstead right. wasn't out there for any of the, the team drills, and the Leo was Ronald Blair, um, you know, someone, uh, another person we haven't ever associated with that spot. So yeah, that's just more fuel to the argument that uh, they are uh, mixing and matching and, and tinkering uh, during the spring and that really it's going to be training camp where we see what they're, what they're finally thinking as far as uh, that opening day roster. Yeah, you almost get the, the feeling that, you know, the day before the draft, they're kind of smokescreening everybody by just putting people in weird spots and just screwing with people because, yeah, you, I'm looking at this, uh, Matt, the, the article you put out there where you have, you drew up the too deep depth chart of, of what you saw today at practice. If you talk about Eric Armstead getting the first reps at Leo. Then you have Ronald Blair, and it's like, is Aaron Lynch the third-string Leo at this point? Are they trying to light a fire under him? Because I know it kind of sounded like when they were talking about Aaron Lynch uh, after the hiring, and, and the I can't remember if it was Shanahan or Robert Sala now that was talking about Lynch, and they were sort of like, they, they sounded a lot less sold on him. They said, yeah, he'd be a Leo, but we're really hoping to see something. And it kind of it wasn't like, oh, we're excited to get him in. It was more like, we hope he's in shape. Well, yeah. I mean, you just look at what, what happened with Lynch last year. I mean, he started the season suspended, and then during that suspension, he, he got up uh, by his own admission to 300 pounds. This is a guy that they'd love to see at, you know, 255, 260 perhaps. Um, so uh, they're, they're, they, they do need to light a fire under him. Uh, motivation has been an issue with him, uh, and it was an issue with him in college. If you go back to what his uh, strength coach uh, famously said uh, on Twitter, um, I think it was, and then uh, got reprimanded for it. But it was all about um, his drive and his motivation. And uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 sure that's part of the uh, the message that's being sent right now. You you have to earn that spot. It's not going to be handed to you. And really, it's it's a marquee spot on the defense. So uh, yeah, it has to go to somebody. Uh, that they can rely on. And uh, frankly, uh, Aaron Lynch has not shown that to this point in, in his career. So one last note about the depth chart here before we move on to the draft. Uh, as expected, Jimmy Ward was getting a shot at free safety. Eric Reed kicked down to strong safety. He had Rashard Robinson on one side at corner, Dante Johnson on the other side at corner. Um, and actually they had Will Redmond not working at nickel, just Kawan Williams. And so I- I'm wondering... Really, the big one for me is Jimmy Ward. Were you are you guys able to get anything out of the practices? Did he look natural in center field there, uh, Chris? I'll put it to you first. Did, did he look natural, or is there is it a situation where you it's not something you could tell in that sort of a practice? Uh, I think he he looked natural. I mean, it, it it wasn't completely natural given the fact that this is the first time he's really done it on any consistent basis since he came into the league. Um, but I, I will say we we talked to him before practice, and I asked him about. Uh, you know, specifically his shoulder injury and whether or not that's going to factor into uh, the the position switch and the fact that, you know, he's going to be running into, he, he broke his collarbone and he potentially will be colliding with guys, you know, tight ends and receivers over the middle at a much higher speed than he would, you know, if he was just making a tackle on guys or, or covering them as, as a corner on the outside or, or in the slot. 
Um, and he acknowledged that, yeah, that's, that's something he's thinking about. And he even said that, you know, he, he collided with somebody earlier this week in practice and, and might have felt something with his shoulder, but sort of backtracked immediately after and said his shoulder's feeling 100%. So I do think there's a legitimate concern with Jimmy Ward and the fact that he's missed so much time with, in his first three seasons with, with different injuries that he would be more susceptible to injuries back as a free safety. So I think it makes sense to try him out there just because he's really the only guy uh, when you look at, you know, maybe their 10 or 12 best defenders who, who fits in that role um, just for, for right now. But I could certainly see them using, uh, you know, maybe even the number two overall pick on, on a free safety spot. Um, because I do think Ward ultimately is going to be best in the, in the slot at nickel um, and maybe even corner on the outside. But, yeah, I, I think he can play the position, and I think ultimately he, he could probably do it well enough to start there. But I think it's a significant risk, uh, given the fact that, that he's been injured so much, and, and you just don't know, particularly coming off a broken collarbone. And we saw what happened to Tony Romo. I mean, I, the, those, you know, those collarbones don't get stronger as time goes on. So I, I would be leery of leaving him at free safety, but I definitely think it's a possibility that he could play it, but it, but it does come with risk. So basically what you guys are saying is every position is wide open and on draft night they could pretty much do anything <laughs> with, with, I mean, I guess if they've decided on DeForest Buckner at three technique, I guess that would sort of erase one need on defense, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that they did a good job in free agency of uh, bringing in enough people at enough positions where there's no screaming need at any one. So they can't be pigeonholed. Um, where where the other teams say, okay, the 49ers definitely need to take a cornerback or you know a tight end, et cetera. Um, but you know they they still have needs at uh, you know the the bulk of the position. So it is up in the air. I mean they could they could go I don't know any one of six different players at number two, and and, and maybe even more. Somebody asked me earlier today about Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey whether that would be. Um, just a, an absolute shock, and I had to say, well, no, just because what he does seems to fit very well what uh, Kyle Shanahan wants from his running back. So, uh, you know, just about any name that you can think of, uh, you know, among you know ten or twelve players, you can make a very you know cogent argument for why that would be a, a nice fit at number two. So, speaking of number two, or actually, no, let's let's start at pick number one because you, before you can have a pick two. You know, Cleveland has to do something with one. Schefter had another report on Wednesday pointing to Trubisky at number one. Uh, I like Trubisky more than most, and it still would shock me if that actually happened. But one interesting thing, and it's been reported with the Browns, that ownership is getting involved, and they really want the quarterback. And then all of a sudden there's a Jed York quote saying, it sounds like he wants a quarterback, calling it a star quarterback, a superstar quarterback, and that's something you have to have. Uh, do you think that's a driving force possibly with the 49ers as well as the Browns? I mean, if you're asking me, I, I think, you know, you look at the, where the 49ers stand in this draft, pick, picking second, like like Matt just mentioned, they could go a ton of different directions, and no one really knows. And if the 49ers do want to trade back, which seems like a reasonable course of action, just considering that there's no clear number two prospect, I think it behooves the 49ers and Jed York in particular to put it out there and, and say that, yeah, we're really interested in taking a quarterback because if you're trying to garner trade interest, the, the, the best haul you'll get in a trade from another team is going to be a team looking up to get a quarterback. 
So I think it makes sense from, from the 49ers standpoint to get that message out there. Um, I would be personally very surprised if they take a quarterback just because, you know, I, I don't think Brian Hoyer is a long-term answer for sure. You know, Matt Barkley, I think is a good signing, but I think he's, he's a good signing as a backup, but you know, I, I would be very surprised to see the 49ers take a quarterback, particularly given how, um, how controlled the message has been. They've been really quiet in terms of if the, what they say to the media and back channels and what you hear uh, from various reports coming out of, of the 49ers headquarters. I think this, is, this kind of falls in line with that, Jed York being a part of um, included in this message that is, that is strong and cogent in the sense that, hey, we like everybody. And we even like a quarterback. So, you know, obviously John Lynch has, has spoken publicly about saying we're open for business in a trade. And, and I think this is sort of a, another version of that coming from Jed York. And I think that the, you see the Bears sort of doing the same thing, um, saying that they're open to a quarterback too. So that they could be trying to, you know, get uh, another team to uh, trade with the 49ers as well so that they, uh, you know, another player falls one step closer to them. Uh, and you know, this is just the stuff you you tend to hear in the in the run up to the draft, uh, yeah, that that that's sort of the rule for reporters. Anything you hear a week out from the draft is probably not uh, not exactly 100 percent true. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I've always been wondering if the 49ers were really playing the game and with a new GM, you know, maybe he's being too honest all along. Uh, but that's a great point, kind of you know throwing that stuff out there at the last minute and just at least enough to get teams thinking. And you know, of course, when ownership gets involved, things can get pretty. Pretty wild, but so let's go on to pick two. Let, let's say Garrett goes one. Let me ask you this before I ask who you guys actually think the 49ers will take. Chris, do you think the 49ers should worry about missing out on a true cornerstone type of a player? You know, and Lynch called it, uh, if they trade down too far, whether it's missing out on a quarterback or an impact defender, is, do you, is there a situation where they get value for the second pick that they would say no to something like that? Uh, I, I think if, if they stay... You know, I think a lot of people have talked about Cleveland moving up from 12. I think if they stay within that, you know, 6 to, to 12 range, I think they they could ultimately get a, a player that they could potentially also get at 2. I mean, obviously they could get that player at 2, but a player that um, that they like at 2, maybe they, they're able to get a few spots further down the board. I think that's certainly a possibility. If they were to get... Uh, a little bit later than 12, then then I think they would. It, you're starting to talk about a team maybe giving the 49ers an extra first round pick just to move up that far. Um, you know, when you're talking about moving up 12, 10, 12, 15 spots for another team, uh, and I think that scenario would make sense because if you look at next year's draft and the quarterbacks that are coming out, I think having two first round picks next year would be a great plan for the 49ers, and then they could still get a pretty good player in the first round. Obviously not. Um, maybe not a surefire cornerstone like Lynch mentioned, but I do think that they, because all these guys are grouped together uh, behind Miles Garrett, I think they're going to be they're going to be players taken based on a matter of taste and, and need, and it's not necessarily going to be you know a best player scenario, best player available scenario for all these teams picking after the 49ers in, in the top ten. I think guys are going to go based on how those teams' rosters look, and I think that's that's one of those things that makes this draft kind of unique um, because you can't really peg, you know, the, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth best prospect. Um, it's going to be about who's making those picks and, and what the roster looks like 
for each of those teams. So, you know, if, if the 49ers decide, hey, maybe we can get a guy in the, in the 15 to 20 range that we still really like and get an additional first-round pick in next year's draft that's loaded with quarterbacks, then I think that's certainly a scenario they have to consider. But I wouldn't move down past 12 or 13 where Arizona's picking if they don't get a first-round pick uh, to move back that far. So I think ultimately if they do trade back, I, I look at Cleveland at 12, I look at Carolina at 8, and if they're, you know, if they can get a couple second round picks, um, you know, this is a this is a really good draft to have second and third round picks. So if they can get a few more selections there, I think that makes sense. But otherwise, I wouldn't move back too far unless the first round pick was involved. Matt, do you agree with that? How how far is too far? Well, yeah, I, I do agree with that. I, I think twelve would be uh, a good cutoff, and I think that. You know, the reason why the 49ers want to, might want to trade out of that number two pick and the reason why they might not be able to is, is the same reason. It's because uh, there, are, there is a lot of um, kind of similarity in, in value uh, between 2 and 12 and because all these teams really feel like the, the strength of the draft the meaty part of the draft is in rounds two and three, which is what you'd be giving up if you were to trade up with the 49ers. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage is. Um, I, I agree that the, the Browns would be the most likely trade partner, but I feel like at the end of it, uh, the 49ers are going to have to be uh, making that pick at pick number two. So, Matt, Chris wrote this week that he would take – Hassan Reddick over Solomon Thomas. Is he crazy? Hassan Reddick? <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Do you need I, to I, extricate I, yourself from that statement? Oh, no, you're not no, backpedaling, are you? Ultimately, Hassan Reddick is going to be better in the long run than Solomon Thomas. But I think that the caveat I, I should make is that I don't think Reddick, and, and this is going to be a juxtaposition, but I don't think I would take Reddick at two, just given the way the board is set up. I think trading back and taking Reddick would be a better scenario for the 49ers than taking Solomon Thomas second overall. So anyway, Matt, you are now. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a, a pretty hardcore backpedal to me, but Matt, go ahead. Uh, Hassan <laughs> yeah, Reddick and he's, Solomon he's, Thomas. He's backpedaling faster than Daryl Green on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously um, Hassan Reddick is a bit of a projection because he played – on the line of scrimmage, he was a uh, defensive end for Temple, and uh, teams are, are looking hit at him as a, you know, in space linebacker, somebody who'll play the the weak side or uh, the the strong side, or uh, eventually uh, Mike linebacker. So, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why you wouldn't take him at two. He's he's just too much of a a leap of faith. But um, you know, he is a guy that uh, you know did well, held up well at the line of scrimmage at what was he 235 pounds and uh and does project well at uh, at a will linebacker i mean he's somebody that you can definitely see um learning the uh the position at will and then eventually he's uh physical enough and uh has the right instincts to be a mike which is what you what you really want somebody to be sort of the the focal point of your defense so he is a good pick um you know number two might be too high in this trap but you know, a lot of people think that he's going to be a top 10 pick with uh, maybe Cincinnati at uh, pick number nine being the, the place where he goes. 
Yeah, that's not that crazy of a take, but it was sort of a hot take that Chris had, so I wanted to call him on it. And, and uh, I, actually, I on the last podcast, if, you, if any of the listeners haven't heard it, I kind of went through my whole tiered big board and how I would attack this thing and how I will go after my shadow draft. And I'm sure I'm going to get another A-plus shadow draft as I have the last four years. But um, I have Hassan Reddick one spot after Solomon Thomas. So, yeah, I, I think that's a, a completely fair thing to say. And I love Hassan Reddick and his versatility. And it's funny because it's like versatility versus are you a tweener? And Solomon Thomas, I'm like, well, if he can't win the edge as an edge rusher and he's not stout enough inside to play the run, he's almost on the wrong side of the tweener spectrum. You know, whereas Hassan Reddick can play maybe any three of the linebacker spots, can rush the passer, can cover. And so for that reason, you know, I would have no problem with someone saying Hassan Reddick's a better prospect than than Solomon Thomas because – he can actually do more in a functional defensive setting, I think, than Solomon Thomas has right now. And right now, Solomon Thomas is more of that sort of sort of ball of clay. So, Chris, you're not that. You're not crazy. Well, I think too, and with Solomon Thomas, I mean, Matt, Matt and I went to the, the pro day of Stanford, and you know, he's a guy that looks like he's pretty much filled out in terms of how big he's going to be. And if he does get bigger, you have to wonder if it's going to be the right kind of weight. Um, so 273 pounds, I think he's, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a really good interior pass rusher. Um, and if he goes to the right team, I think he, he, he could turn into a, a, a pro caliber player. But I think when you're talking about the second overall pick, I think you are doing a little bit of projecting Psalm Thomas too, in the sense that, you know, most number two picks are going to be three different players from the jump. And given Solomon Thomas's weight, I know he was really good against the run at Stanford, but if I was an offensive coordinator, I would run at Solomon Thomas wherever he was on the, on the line of scrimmage, particularly as a rookie. And to me, he seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to struggle to get on the field in base situations or in obvious running downs. Um, so that to me, there's a little bit of risk there if you're trying to maximize value in terms of number two overall selection. But I do think I've watched practice today and, and seeing the way – you know, the five technique is used, uh, which is basically the exact spot that Thomas was on Stanford's defense over the inside shoulder of the right tackle. Um, that's where Tank Carradine lined up, and, and it worked out. It didn't work out for that spot because, you know, if it was Colin Thomas, he would have the same linebacker right to his left. He would have a big uh, nose tackle right to his right, and he would be in a big spot um, being able to attack the inside shoulder of that right tackle. But I do think, you know, just given the, given the fact that you already have Eric Armstead, who could presumably play that role better than Thomas from, from just because he's more advanced, older, he's bigger, stronger, um, I do wonder if you're just finding an overlapping talent and also how is that situation going to hold up if he's, not being, if he's not able to get what he needs to develop, um, if he's stuck as sort of a two-down player yeah. just as a pass runner. No, that's a great point. So, Chris, let me ask you this. I asked Matt this question last time he was on, and Matt, you can change your answer if you'd like. But, Chris, true or false, the 49ers will keep and draft a player with the second overall pick? Oh, man. Um, What did I say? True or false? (laughs) (laughs) What was my answer? Your answer was false. They will not be selecting it, too. No, well, i got to go back and forth on that one. I I think I just... uh, uh, contradicted myself a little while ago on that, but uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I think, it's it's up in the air. Yeah, I think they will pick it too. Ultimately, like 
if if you're you know Carolina picking at eight and you really want to move up to Leonard Fournette, I think there's a reasonable chance that he's there at eight. And even if he's not there at eight, there's a really good chance Christian McCaffrey's there at eight. Um, so if you're if getting a running back is your mandate, then uh, then you might not have to move up. Or if both running backs are gone, and I you know I, I don't think that's that's likely at all. But if both running backs are gone, you could take a defensive end that fits your scheme. I mean, Carolina is going to be in a good spot at eight. The Browns, if if they don't get you know if they don't take Trubisky first overall and they're at twelve. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is certainly a possibility there. Maybe Deshaun Watson is there if if the Jets snatch up Trubisky at six. Uh, so ultimately, you know, you look at it and it, it's just hard to come up with the scenario where a team trades up to number two for me, um, unless, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's a team maybe in the middle of the first round or towards the back end that's willing to part with a future first round pick uh, or multiple early round picks. Um, you know, that that's a scenario that maybe seems more likely right now than a team trying to move up uh, picking in those top 12 spots. All right, well, let's get those draft picks then. Uh, let's see. Draft strategy, and look, there's I really like where the 49ers are at with, with how the talent's falling on the board, not so much at two, but on day two, pick 34 and at the top of the third round, tons of defensive back depth, especially lengthy corners, which I'm sure they'll be looking at, and also edge players in that area. So does that change how you would attack uh, the, the first round, knowing that those players might be there in round two or round three? And let's start with you, Matt. What's what's your prediction for pick two, and then and how does that affect uh, rounds two and three for you? Well, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I think that uh, pick 34 is going to be interesting because you're going to have some guys, and this happens every year, who everybody was talking about as a first-rounder who falls out of the first round and is sitting there at the beginning of uh, the second. And, you know, guys that could fit that description are Reuben Foster. I mean, somebody that we were talking about as a potential number two overall pick just a, a couple of months ago. Um, Jabril Peppers uh, is another guy that, that could be there at, at 34. Um, and then you're also talking about uh, Buda Baker. I mean, if, if they don't do Malik Hooker at number two, um, you know, they, they still need a depth at that free safety spot. It's such a critical spot. Uh, is he there? And then you, you mentioned um, edge rusher. Let's say, you know, Tim Williams is there or somebody else that they like that could uh, line up at that um, at that Leo spot. So it's a great question. And, um, you know, the, the way, you know, you look at uh, who they brought in, uh, those, those official 30 visits and, and who they worked out in, in Santa Clara, and there seemed to be a lot of those press cornerback types. So that would be my guess. Um, is it uh, Chidobe Awuzie uh, from Colorado? Does Kevin King fall into the second round um, is a big cornerback from West Virginia that they might like. Uh, there are a lot of options, but that seems to be the, the sweet spot for a big six foot to six foot three press corner. Do you have a guy that, that, that is your stamp that's the Matt Barrow's selection for the 49ers at two? Well, I mean, I think that uh, Atlanta could take Buda Baker um, with their pick in the first round. Uh, you know, obviously they're they're playing the same sort of defense that the 49ers are. But um, you know, going back to what Chris was saying earlier, it, it's such a critical spot. And even if you have um, your, your your ideas to put Jimmy Ward there, and you think Jimmy Ward's going to be great, this is a guy that's had two foot operations, um, has a screw in his foot. 
from 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 two um, uh, stress fractures on the bottom of his foot. You know, you just don't know how long he's going to last, and it's such a critical position for them that um, I would uh, imagine that somebody like Baker. Um, who just seems to be the, the spitting image of Earl Thomas in so many ways, would, would be a good pick. He played a lot of um, nickel uh, for uh, the Washington Huskies last year. So at a minimum, in year one, he could be your, your nickel back. And, and these teams love to bring in a, uh, a third safety these days to sort of play that role. You see the uh, Arizona Cardinals doing that. You see a lot of teams doing that. So if he's sitting there at 34 – uh, gee, that would be a real nice fit, uh, not only for this season, but I think for the future. So, Chris, I know you're an Ohio State guy, and uh, are, are you going to double down on Kevin Durant's <laughs> advice when he said the 49ers should take Malik Hooker at two? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to, to me, you, you, and you Barrows hit on it. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I couldn't count on Jimmy Ward, and he's entering a contract year too. And um, and the 49ers haven't decided whether or not they're picking up his fifth year option, and, and maybe that's strategic, uh, just because they, you know, maybe they don't want to project anything before the draft. But yeah, I mean, I, I like everybody else. I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that he hasn't been able to test since the off season. You don't really know how his recovery is, is going to play out. I mean, obviously, hips are a tricky issue. Um, but I do think he would ultimately be, you know, if he 100% healthy, and and if you're if you're standing by the medical records and and what doctors are saying, then I think he would be the best pick just because of the value that is on the back end of that defense. You're really talking about, you know, what Earl Thomas does with with the Seahawks allows them to run that single high scheme. He he empowers the the, the corners on the outside to to play their physical brand before dropping into that cover three. He allows cam chancellor to to patrol the middle of the field um which ultimately helps the linebackers too uh because they have someone right over their shoulder responsible for one of those gaps uh along the offensive line so really having a having a free safety who can have who can patrol the back end with the type of range that Bully cooker had last year um i think that ultimately is going to be the best thing for the 49ers defense uh, just about at every level, um, because if a quarterback has to hesitate because a, a free safety is there over the top, um, then that's going to help the pass rush. And if you can play single high, then having a strong safety in the box is going to help linebackers and, and the defensive line defending the run. So to me, I still think Hooker is, is going to be the best pick, um, but I understand the risk involved in the fact that you don't know what his health is like what his speed is going to be like, given the fact that he hasn't tested this off season. Um, but at the same time, you look at everybody, you know, outside of miles Garrett, there are similar questions for just about all those prospects, maybe with the, with, with the exception of Jamal Adams, who we talked to Eric Reed about today. And Eric Reed, obviously an LSU alum, uh, loves Jamal Adams. And I can see Jamal Adams being a really good fit as a strong safety um, in that defense, but I think, and, and Barrows and I talked a little bit about this today. I think Barrows thinks that Jamal Adams could potentially be a deep safety too, um, and and that would be an intriguing possibility if you think Adams is is going to be a better player than Malik Hooker. I happen to think Adams is, uh, I, and actually Adams is the only other defensive player in my top tier. I'm looking at for the second pick uh, in my shadow draft, uh, just because you know after Miles Garrett, of course, because. One thing that Robert Sala said that sticks with me is extreme physicality. And if it, if they're really trying to have a tone setter sort of a pick, 
then I, I think the guy who really checked every box, he ran a 4-3-8, uh, the physicality is there. I think he's versatile enough to play that, you know, that center field role, that single high safety, even though maybe that's not his, you know, his best fit. I think he's good enough, instinctive enough player, and will work hard enough to, to figure that out. And I think at the end of the day, just get the best football players in, and, and Adams is that to me. So that's why I like him over Hooker. But if the 49ers do go Hooker at two, what's the ideal thing happening at pick 34 for you? For me? Yeah. Um, well, you could go, I mean, you you could have your fingers crossed that someone like Tack McKinley or Charles Harris or one of those pass rushers um, falls down to, to 34. If you really like um, Willis from, from Kansas State, the pass rusher, maybe he's a guy you could take there in the second round. Um, Terrell Basham from Ohio, Derek Rivers from Youngstown State, I think these are all guys that, that are going to be in the conversation if they don't take a pass rusher um, first, but I, I also don't know that you know, it's dependent on there, there's really going to be a correlation between the picks, you know, like they could, they could ultimately end up drafting two pass rushers with their first two picks because yeah. they need guys like, like we've mentioned at the, at the, at the end, at the Sam and at Leo. So, um, yeah, I think those guys, the pass rushers, the, the long corners, like, like Matt mentioned are, are going to make a lot of sense. Um, I think maybe there's an outside chance that Corey Davis slips to the receiver from Western Michigan. Maybe he slips to the second round. I think that would be interesting. Um, You know, we don't know really what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. A lot of it is is talk, but, you know, there's a possibility that maybe Deshaun Watson slips into the second round because it sounds like there's some NFL people who aren't sold on him being a surefire guy. Um, And, you know, I'm kind of split on that idea, but I think it's a possibility that, that I'm not closing the book on yet. So they could go a ton of different directions, but I would, if I had to generalize what, where, what direction the 49ers would go at 34, I would say probably an an edge player um, on the defense, whether it's a linebacker, what, you know, if it's TJ Watt or if it's one of those pass rushers I mentioned, or one of those long corners like Matt was talking about earlier. Yeah. So it sounds like both of you guys are pretty much on board with going defense, defense, with the first couple of picks and, and probably splitting that up between, you know, an edge player and a defensive back. And uh, Matt, I, I think you'll like this. And uh, AC just hit me up on Twitter and he said, should be a great episode over under on how many times Chris Biederman mentions an OSU player. He said 8.5. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard him um, mention Gary and Conley yet, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm oh. sure that's coming. Oh, that's, that's a, that's a <laughs> tough one to mention right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I was seeing third round on him earlier, and that's, I mean, every year there's that guy that's, you know, 48 hours from the draft, something crazy happens, and I guess this year, Gary and Conley's that guy. Do you have any um, in, any references for his character, Chris? You know what, I don't. Um, you party with him a lot, right, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I Believe it or not, I've been out of school, I, I, the last time I've, I've been in Columbus, Ohio, was 2011, so I would think Gary and Conley was probably in high school. Um, maybe playing basketball at that point, but no, I, I to, to the point, I, I don't think John Lynch is, is going to take, you know, you, Matt mentioned Reuben Foster. I think that's a possibility, but I, I think ultimately they're going to refrain from drafting any of these guys with significant concerns off the field. And I would say the mess that Gary Conley finds himself in certainly qualifies for that. Um, and given the 49ers history with, with guys these last few years, I'd imagine that they're, they're going to steer clear of, of that type of situation. 
I had my mic off. Thanks, guys, so much for uh, joining me on the show in this little roundtable segment. It's first for me to have two guests at the same time. I'm just glad I got the technology right and was able to get both you guys in here, and uh, and we had this working with you guys on the phones. Uh, real quick, Matt, I didn't see the article that you had your draft crush. Did you put that out there? Yeah, that was out uh, yesterday uh, and, and published uh, in the B today. Oh, wow. So who was that? It was Solomon Thomas. Um, I think that um, he's uh, a guy I watched, and he took over games in the in the games that I watched. So, of those guys who are, aren't named Miles Garrett, um, I thought that he was uh, the best player who really kind of fits um, exactly what uh, the 49ers are looking for, which is a a tone setter, um, you know, a, a high character tone setter, hard worker. Um, who uh, I think fits in with uh, what they're what they're going to do scheme wise. Yeah, right. in fairness to Barrows, I think out of spite, uh, just how annoying I am, he he boycotted watching all Ohio State uh, Ohio State <laughs> games last year. So I think he uh, I, I think he is a little bit um, let uh, ill informed when it comes to some of these Ohio State prospects. Wow. But I'm not going to hold it against him. Wow. Well, hey, Chris. Well, you know, uh, one of my runners-up was Malik Hooker. So, uh, obviously, Chris uh, is wrong on that. I, I did like Hooker a lot, um, but uh, he didn't didn't quite get the uh, the rose uh, at the end of the day. And, Chris, you also know that whoever Matt picks as his crush is definitely not going to get drafted by the 49ers. Have you ever had a draft crush drafted <laughs> right. by the Niners? What's that? Have you Chris? ever had a draft crush drafted by the Niners? Yeah, uh, Tank Carradine was a oh. uh, a 2013 draft crush. Okay, so it's not the curse I thought it was. I thought it was like a 108 year curse, like the Cubs, but it's it's not quite that. Well, it, it it was a curse for Tank Carradine. Apparently, <laughs> he he, has, he hasn't done much uh, with the 49ers. Uh, well done. All right, Matt Barrows from the Sack B, Chris Biederman from Niners Wire. Thank you guys so much for my first ever uh, pre-draft roundtable here. That was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully, be talking to you guys real soon here on the show. All right, thanks for having us on. Yeah, take care, guys. Yep. All right, there you have it. Matt Barrows, a little Solomon Thomas, and Buda Baker, which would be a pretty fantastic duo. I would not have a problem with that. Or maybe Malik Hooker and an edge rusher. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers can go a lot of ways. Pick 34 is the least of my worries. I mean, they're going to have a really fantastic opportunity there. And really, even at two, they're going to have a good player. They're, they're going to be able to draft a good player right there. But, unfortunately, both Matt and Chris were wrong. Uh, it's going to be Jamal Adams. Thank you so much to Matt and Chris for joining me on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. It's draft day. I'm super pumped. You guys have a good weekend, and I'll be back with you after the first round Friday morning. I'll be breaking down the rapid react of that first pick, and then I'll be back on Monday after that and, and break down the whole thing for you guys here on Locked On 49ers. Have a fun draft day. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 when everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. 
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.